As I mentioned at the beginning of our service today, we are wrapping up this series called Baggage. And over the last few weeks, we have looked at some of the emotional baggage that, that at times we all drag with us through life, and we've brought it to the feet of Jesus to help have him unpack it for us and put it in its rightful place. Right? If you remember week one, we talked about how sometimes we feel inadequate. Sometimes we, we feel like we're, we're just not worth it. We can't measure up, and we heard Jesus come to us and say, you know what, in many ways you can't. That's why I was everything for you, and I love you. I remember the beautiful verses from John's letter. What great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called his children, right? He died for you. You're his child. You are loved. You are worth it because he gave you his life. Then week number two, we talked about the times that maybe in our life we feel helpless, helpless to change a situation in our life or at work or with our family, a health thing, a thing at school, right? Sometimes we just, we can't figure it out. We feel helpless. And God came to us in his word and said, you're not helpless. You might be struggling. You might be going through some things, but, but I will be with you to give you the strength you need to overcome it all. You'll get through it. Then last week, we heard the story of Miss Doris, who lived a pretty rough life and felt that nobody loved her, nobody cared about her. And I think there's times in our own lives where maybe we have felt that way, unloved, uncared for, and Jesus says, but that's not true. He says, I love you, I care for you, and whatever you're going through, cast it on me because I do care for you. Give it to me, and I'll take care of it all for you. Well, today, as we wrap up this series, we're going to talk about the topic of abandonment. Right, that feeling that, that maybe nobody's got your back. And I'm guessing that in some way, shape, or form, some, some big, some small, but, but we felt that tinge of abandonment in our lives. Felt that those times in our lives where, where were they? They didn't have my back. They weren't there for me. And that's kind of a theme we see in each of our readings today. Did you catch it? From Deuteronomy, from Timothy, from our gospel, from Mark, we kind of get that theme where, where individuals or groups of people could have easily been tempted, I've been abandoned. Nobody's got my back, not even God. And so what we want to do today is we're going to do it a little bit different. I know a lot of times we'll, we'll take one of the passages and we'll zero in on that. But we're going to look at each of these passages today. We're going to see what these individuals, what these men and women of God faced, why they maybe felt abandoned, and then what God did to assure them that they indeed were not. Okay? So let's open with a prayer and then we'll, we'll jump right in. Father, we have all come into your house today with different things going on in our lives. We've all dragged in different pieces of baggage in our lives, at work, school, personal, you name it. It's here with us today. So Jesus, help us to unpack it. Help us to give it and hand it over to you because you have redeemed it. Through your life, through your death, through your resurrection, you have paid for our sins in full. 
You have given us the status of child. And so help us now to live in that status, to live in that joy no matter what we face, because you are indeed always with us and will be forever. So bless us now, Jesus, as we spend some time in your word, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So, lesson number one from the book of Deuteronomy. Now, before we go any further, because it was only, what, three short verses, we need to rewind about 40-plus years. If you're going to understand what's going on here, we, we need to go back to the days where God's people were enslaved in the country of Egypt. Right? They were there for 400 plus years, and they came there not as slaves, but at some point the Egyptians enslaved them and made them work for them for hundreds of years. They were in slavery. Well, God heard the cries of his people, and God said, I'm going to rescue them. So God one day shows up to a guy named Moses. And he says, Moses, you're my guy. You are going to go and lead my people out of Egypt and it's going to be awesome. And Moses says, no. God, I, I don't want to go. I can't go. I don't have the right words. I'm not good with speaking. Um, I, I just can't do this. You should pick somebody else. And you know that God wasn't going to take no for an answer because he chose Moses. He said, all right, Moses, you, you can't talk so well. Guess what? Your brother will go with you, but you're still going to lead my people out of Egypt, so let's go. And so they go back. Moses goes back. And God uses him to take his people from slavery in Egypt to freedom. But now what? God had promised that he was going to give them this special land. We maybe know it as the promised land. And so they're out of Egypt now, but now what? Now they're kind of nomads. They're in the wilderness. And you know what? It didn't take long to happen. For God's people to grumble, to complain, to, to say, well, we should almost go back to Egypt. It would have been better to be there than die in the wilderness. You guys were slaves, right? You, you guys remember that. Well, because of their rebellion, that generation would never get into the promised land. All right, that generation, anyone 20 or older at that time, God said, you're not going to make it. So eventually 60 or 70, you're going to die and you're not going into the promised land because you did not believe and trust in me. Moses was a part of that group. Moses rebelled. He, he didn't trust God. And so he too would not be able to enter the promised land. But for those 40 years, they would wander in the wilderness, going from place to place, setting up tents, packing everything up, moving again. I mean, imagine living out in the middle of nowhere with a tent for 40 years. That's what God's people did because of their rebellion. Well, now we get to our lesson today. They're at the doorstep of the promised land. They're on the other side of that Jordan River that kind of was a natural barrier or border. And they're getting ready to go into the land to possess it because God said, I'm going to give it to you. But remember, Moses can't go in. And so after 40 plus years of leading God's people, Moses was going to step down. 
And not necessarily by choosing, because God said, you are not going to lead my people in. Joshua's going to. And so that's kind of the scene when we hear these words. Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. This was going to be no easy task. I mean, imagine being under the leadership of one person for 40 plus years. Nobody likes change. And God says, well, I'm ripping the band-aid off. There's going to be some serious change here. Moses is no longer your leader. Joshua's. And so Joshua's handed the baton or the, the torches passed. And you can almost imagine what it would be like to be in Joshua's shoes, right? I, I don't know if anybody's ever experienced taking over for the person who has been in charge for 40 plus years. That's some big shoes to fill. And on top of it, if you know anything about the children of Israel at this time, some of the verbiage that's used throughout the Old Testament readings about them say things like they are a stiff-necked people, they are stubborn, they were constantly grumbling, complaining against God and against Moses, God's leader, and it was no easy task to lead these people. And now Joshua gets to do it. And on top of that, they're about to enter a land that's inhabited. There's people already living there, and it's not like they're just going to say, hey, just take our homes, take our businesses, you can have it all. No. They would have a dogfight on their hands. And so now imagine again being in Joshua's shoes. The guy who had led them for 40 plus years with God's direction and guidance it wasn't like he was retiring. It wasn't like he could text them up sometimes and be like, hey, Moses, how would you handle this situation? Guess what? Moses is going to die. If you remember the story, God's going to take Moses up and he's going to give him a little glimpse of the promised land and then he's going to die and God himself is going to bury him on that mountaintop. But now Joshua has no one to go talk to. No one to say, hey, man, you've done this. Give me some pointers. Mentor me because this is a monumental task. I think it's safe to say that Joshua maybe felt a little bit abandoned. Right? Who's going to have my back now? The only guy who would understand what, what I'm going to go through now is dead. Now what? That takes us to reading number two today. God had a guy named Paul write the words that are before us in, in 2 Timothy. And Paul was a pastor. He was a missionary. And kind of his big gig... He would go from place to place. He would tell people about Jesus. He, he would get a group together around the word of God. And then eventually he would train and appoint a pastor, give him the keys to the church, and he would leave. And go to another one and do that over and over and over again. Well, when Paul writes this letter, 2 Timothy, this would be his last. And he wrote these two letters to a young pastor named Timothy. And kind of just to give you the brief overview of what the two letters said, Paul said, Timothy, watch out. There's going to be people that are going to try to derail your ministry. They're going to try to stop you from preaching about Jesus. And guess what, Timothy? It's not going to be the nasty people out there. You know, the people that you have to watch the most, they're sitting in the church chairs every Sunday. 
There's going to be wolves from within you that are going to try to tear your church apart. They're going to try to attack you and your ministry. But Timothy, you better not let them look down on you, even though you might be young. And they might have the experience, but God chose you. Preach the gospel fearlessly. And in all things, remember Jesus who lived and died and lives for you. And so that's kind of the context of these letters. And Paul is coming to the close of the second letter as he sits in a Roman jail cell for the second time, and it would be his last. And this is what he tells us. And my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. You would think that Pastor Paul, who, who, who single-handedly told the gospel to thousands of people, and that's why they know Jesus and are in heaven to this day, somebody would come and support him. Somebody would come and have his back as he stood on trial, but he says, no, nobody did. All alone. Completely deserted. I think even in Paul's own words, he knew what it was like to feel like nobody had his back. Which leads us, friends, to our last scripture reading today. Which for me, as I went through each of them, this one seems the craziest one of all. Because we meet up with a group of guys, the disciples, who are actually in the presence of Jesus himself. And by this point, Jesus had already taught the people. He already done some miracles. And, and it was clear, it's clear as mud to some of these guys, that, that he was the Savior. And so this is what happens. One day, Jesus gets done teaching and preaching to the crowds. And Jesus says, let's get in a boat and let's take a cruise to the other side of the lake. So they do. And at some point in the middle of this cruise across the Sea of Galilee, a bad storm comes. The wind is howling, the waves are crashing against the boat, and they're taking on more water than they can bail out. And these guys start to think at some point, this is it. We're done. We're going to die. We're going to drown here. This is going to be our watery grave. And so finally, which they should have done this immediately, but finally they, they go to get Jesus. And you know what Jesus is doing? <laughs> Jesus is sleeping. Jesus, in the middle of this gale force wind, is sleeping on the boat. And so the disciples, they come to him, they, they wake him up, and, and you know what they say to him? Teacher, don't you care if we drown, if we die? The disciples, even in the presence of Jesus, Felt like Jesus didn't have their back. They thought maybe he's not going to help us. Maybe he's going to abandon us. We're, we're going to die. They accused Jesus of not caring. Right? In all three of, of these readings, we meet up with some people who could have very easily felt like nobody has their back. Maybe not even God. So what about you? Have you ever felt that way? 
Have you ever felt abandoned? Moments in your life where, where you looked around and you felt like nobody's with you, nobody's there to support you, nobody's got your back? Maybe for some of you, here today or watching online, it, it was your parents. Your parents weren't there. They didn't love you. They, they didn't care for you the way uh, a parent should. And you felt hurt and abandoned by, by the parents who should have loved you the most. Maybe it's your spouse. Instead of being loving and supporting, it, it seems that they're more critical and more pointing the finger and, and more demanding than, than loving you and helping you and vice versa. Maybe it's that friend, that friend of years, <laughs> that through thick and thin you've been there, but, but then that one time when you needed them the most, they, they weren't there. They didn't even call to check up on you. They didn't see how you were doing. And you felt alone and abandoned. Maybe it was that coworker who, 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 who's been with you, who's helped you on those projects, and, and privately they support you, but, but when push comes to shove in a public setting, nobody spoke up to defend you and left you hanging out to dry. And you felt like nobody's got your back. Maybe it's those moments in life where, where you look to your right and you look to your left in the trenches and, and you, you were expecting to see your teammates and nobody's there. We've been there, haven't we? We've had moments when maybe we thought, nobody knows, nobody cares, it doesn't matter, I'm all alone. And you know what often happens when we start feeling like that? Not only do we maybe become sad about it, but, but then we start to get angry. Anger is such a deadly, damning sin because it so easily creeps into so many areas. Right? We get angry. Where were you? How could you? Why didn't you? Becomes the phrases we use. And worst of all, there's sometimes that we might even feel that way about him. We're just like those disciples. Jesus says, I'm here, and he's with us, but we look at him and we wake him up as our sea is battering our boat. And we said, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you know what I'm going through? Don't you know the financial mess I'm in? Don't you know the parents who, who were less than loving? Don't you know the person who walked? Don't you know the health issues that I'm going through? Don't you know the struggle I'm having? Where are you? Don't you care if I live or die? We can relate to the disciples to Paul, to Joshua, we, we can, but did you hear what God said to all of them? Did you hear his words of promise? Right, when Joshua might have felt overwhelmed, this is a monumental task, Moses is gone, I feel like no one's got my back, listen to what God says. The Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you, so do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. 
yeah, Josh, this is going to be hard. This is going to be brutal. Will people attack you? Yep, that's what sinful human beings do. Will this stiff-necked people that gave Moses all those problems give you problems? Yep, because that's what sinful people do. (laughs) Will it be hard to take them into the promised land and have these military campaigns against people who are not just going to roll over and give you their homes? Yeah, that's going to be hard. People will die. But do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid because the Lord is going to go with you. And he did. God was with Joshua every step of the way and he gave them victory after victory after victory until he gave them that land that he had promised their forefathers so many years ago. God kept his word and he was with Joshua to the very end. So how about Paul? When all of his crew abandoned him when he needed them the most... Listen to what he says. And in my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone, not just some, not just half, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Now I'm going to stop just for a second there. When was the last time that you felt abandoned, that you were hurt, that you felt alone, that you felt like nobody's got your back, that you said, but God, don't hold it against them. It's cool. (laughs) That's what Paul's saying. They may have deserted me, God, but do not hold that sin against them. Why could Paul say that? He goes on, but the Lord stood at my side, and he gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. Paul knew, even if everybody else deserted him, the Lord would stay with him, and he did, so that, why? he could continue to tell people about Jesus. So that he could proclaim the gospel and let even the Gentiles know that they have a Savior too. And you know how monumental that is? I want you to think big picture with me now. He made sure, with God's help and strength, so that the Gentiles would know about a Savior, so that those Gentiles would tell their kids, and they'd tell their kids, who would eventually tell you, because you're a Gentile too. Right? God gave him the strength to do that. And he was with him every step of the way until Paul didn't get out of prison. Paul was martyred. He was put to death for his faith. And he's in heaven now in the presence of Jesus forever. And what about those disciples? (laughs) Those ye of little faith disciples who are in the boat, seeing Jesus standing right there, still doubted him. Don't you care, Jesus? And what does Jesus do? He got up. He rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Amazing, right? They just doubted him. Jesus should have just said, hey, you guys figure it out, man. You think I don't care? Good. But he doesn't. Jesus uses his divine power to calm the storm on the sea that day. And in the same process, he also calmed the storm raging in their own hearts. And that same Jesus, who was with Joshua, who stood by Paul 
even though he never got out of jail and he was put to death, the same Jesus who quieted the storms is the same Jesus who walks with you. The same Jesus that is with you by your side, no matter what storm you're in right now, and he says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I've got your back. That same Jesus who, who says, I'm going to give you my strength when you are weak. I'm going to calm your heart when you're afraid with my power and my presence and my love. And it's the same Jesus that says, even if everyone ditches out on you and abandons you, I won't. In fact, there's a great passage in the book of Isaiah that says, even if a mother, if this were even possible for a mom to forget the baby at her breast, I will not forget you, ever. You are never alone. Now that sounds so nice, doesn't it? Maybe when we're sitting in church on a Sunday morning all dressed up and it sounds so nice and comforting, but what about when you're in the boat and you're taking on water? And you're tempted to think that no one's got your back, not even him. How can you be so sure? How can you trust your God and his promises to you? You want to know why you can? Because even before he promised to be with you always, he promised to send someone to rescue you. Even before you were in the boat, taking on water, sinking in a sea of sin and death, he sent a warrior. One to come and fight your greatest battles against sin, death, and hell itself to rescue you and set you free. You have one who is willing to, to send his own son, the father who forsook his own son. Remember what Jesus said on that cross? He said, God, my father, why have you forsaken me? The holy one, the prince of peace, the apple of the Father's eye, right? The Father once said, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. He turned his back on that son. So that you would never know what it's like to be abandoned by your God. It's Jesus and what he did for you that is proof that God always has your back that he will never leave you or forsake you. Because here's the thing. I know this by experience, you do too. All of us, we want to know that somebody's there for us, especially when times get tough. We want to know that we're not abandoned, we're not alone, that somebody, at least somebody's got our back. And today, through his word, Jesus says, I do. And so I pray as your pastor, this is why I say, talk, we talk so much about this, get into God's word daily. That's one of the bigger reasons we started our life groups, right? So that we could get into God's word with each other, so that even on the darkest of days, we will never forget that we are not abandoned. We have not been orphaned. We are children of God, loved by the Father because of Jesus, and we are never alone. Because of Christ, God always has your back. Amen.